0: Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Mike Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. Hey, I want to greet everybody. If you're with us online, super good to have you. There's some people, and I we totally understand, we want people to kind of, some people are like, hey, I'm just more comfortable at home. That's great. But I, I really like coming together. How many of you are with me on that? I like coming together, and we're praying for the day that corona crazy is gone. And, um, but anyway, just, just want to say hey to everybody um, online, is today what I want to teach on is, um, and I'm gonna, it's going to be a two-week thing, but what I'm going to teach on is leading through crisis, leading through crisis. And when you think about that statement, notice this guy right here. How many of you before have ever been mountain climbing? How many of you are mountain climbers or anything like that? Okay, well, I'm the only one. I enjoy it. My wife says to me sometimes I'm too risky. I'm trying to taper that back a little bit. But but what I notice is that whenever you're mountain climbing, you typically can't see the full picture. All you can see is is what's in front of you. And when you get to that one, there's usually another one behind it and another one behind it. And if you look at this guy looking at that mountain, is it's kind of like a crisis. A crisis or mountain climbing, it's hard, it's challenging, it's difficult. Many times it's uphill. And how many of you know, you know, my wife likes to bike ride. And she likes to like, I don't mean like ride around the neighborhood. My wife likes to bike ride like 30 40 miles, so if she gets you to bike ride, understand what she's thinking before you make that commitment. And so, but I just like this, I really like the downhill part. How many of you are with me on the bike ride downhill? Where it's just like, oh, this is awesome, the downhill ride, but what I have found is that to go downhill, you either have to go uphill first, or you're going to have to go uphill later to get back where you need to go. And that in our lives sometimes is that it can be hard, it can be challenging, it can be difficult, and it can be uphill. And, and, it's, and really we could just call it crisis in our life. And I want to look at Jesus reading a prophecy about himself when he was starting his ministry. And it's in Luke chapter 4 verse 17 through verse 19, it says the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me, or Jesus is saying, this is what God has called me to do, this is my gifting, this is my purpose, he has anointed me, now look at this, to bring good news to the poor, When you look at that word poor, a lot of times, especially in our American Western brain is poor to us is indicative of usually just financial. We stop and we look and we say, oh, you know, they don't have enough money or something along that line. And it could be, but when you look at it in the Greek, is it is a very broad term. It means more than that. And this is what it means according to the Thayers. It means the lowly, the afflicted, the destitute of christian virtues or eternal riches and eternal riches it means to be helpless powerless to accomplish a desired end it means to be poor needy lacking in anything so what i want you to notice is jesus stood up and what he basically said is God has anointed me, and my purpose for being here is to minister to and to help those who are in crisis, those who are right in a spot. Look at, let's continue reading um, in verse 18. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free now look at this, in that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Do you know that right now, no matter what is going on in your life, God's favor is now. His favor is with you. His favor is on you. Your circumstances might be saying differently, but his favor is there. Look at Jesus' calling His calling and who he said he came for is those who are in crisis. Maybe right now you're in a spot. I want to tell you God's favor is there. Look at what Jesus said in in Matthew 11, verse 28 and verse 29. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Sounds a lot like crisis. Now look at what he said and it's connected in verse 30. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. What I want you to notice is this, is that when I'm in crisis, Jesus said, you're burdened, you're weighted down. He said, you're in crisis. But what I want and what I need you to do is to take my yoke upon you which is letting me teach you while you're in that place. Let me help you while you're in that place. You know, as we read the Bible, one of God's specialties is leading people through crisis. It is his it is his specialty. You know, our world is broken and in crisis. And God calls each and every one of us, he wants to lead us to wholeness and soundness and peace while we're living in a broken, whacked out, messed up world. He wants to lead us to that place. Jesus came to help. He came to comfort. He came to lead. Jesus came, if you look, to bring peace and perspective to those that are in crisis. You know, and I know that when I bring up the word crisis... There's a lot of secular teaching about it, you know, especially right now. It's like that's the, that's the topic right now. Is, and, I, and, you know, typically, if you look at it, it's, it, most of it's good. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I think we can learn a lot. It's good. But it usually centers on it, the secular side, typically on do this, don't do that, do this while, while you're in crisis. But if you look at the Bible what you see with God is that God doesn't just talk about doing something, but he talks about being in us and equipping us to do. And I liken it to this. Has anybody before ever run out of gas? Okay, look, comfort me. Put your hand up. Okay, you say you're calling me to lie. Okay, I'm done with that. I'm just going to tell you a quick story. Um, I drive a car, and the gas gauge, you never know really where the gas is. And what I mean by that is it could run out at an eighth of a tank, or it can run out at about a third of a tank. And you really don't know. So what is the logic? Don't go below a half. Are you with me on that? Okay. But how many of you know where I'm going with this? Is I've run out of gas in my car. I'm like, it says a third of a tank. Shh. (laughs) It says a third of a tank. How many of you are with me on that? Say a third of a tank. It's plenty of gas. The reason Mike is saying a lot is because I usually call him. Well, one time I'm driving, and how many of you just know your car? You know it. And all it did is just one little pop, and I'm like, says a third of a tank. Campy. Pop, pop. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So your brain immediately races to where is the next gas station? And what you try to do, or at least me, because I'm experienced, okay, (laughs) is put the car in neutral. And when it gets, slows down a little bit, don't let it stop. It's way easier to push a rolling car than a moving car to get into the gas station. So I jump out and I'm pushing and, you know, and I'm a couple hundred yards from the gas station and lo and behold, some guys from church, some young bucks, spot me with a bunch of their friends, like 10 of them, jump out of their vehicles and they come running in behind my car and they start pushing. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. (laughs) And they, they said this to me, they said, get in we'll push you to the gas station. And I'm like, let me tell you, realize this, when we're in crisis and we're only open to the world's strategies and not open to God in our life, it's like pushing our car ourself. But when we open to the Lord, He gives us the ability, he gives us peace, he gives us strength, he gives us something that taps in beyond, and it's like, okay, I'm still in crisis, but you know what, I've got a peace, I've got a faith, and I know that this is going to be okay. Are you with me on that? And what it is, is I think you stop and you think about it in our life, is he infuses and he instills a peace and a comfort and a strength that, in my opinion, is one of the biggest game changers. You know, in this COVID crisis, if you haven't noticed, the playing field changes about every week to 14 days. The experts come out and say, do this. And then in seven to 14 days, they flip the table and say, do this. And then a little while later, they say, do this. And it's just an ever changing. And and when you think about it, is it's led to hardship in a lot of people's life and it's beyond hardship with some people is it has led many people to a place of crisis in their life where people's jobs are affected, their families are affected, their health is affected and everything is affected in their life. You know, right now, if it's not that, our country is in a political crisis right now. You say, what do you mean? People can't even sit down and talk they can't even sit down and talk. It's a civility crisis where people are just split into camps and they used to be able to sit down and talk about things, but they can't even be civil and have a conversation anymore. And they just kind of, everybody is just fragmented and split into camps. You know, sometimes in our life, you can stop and you can say, I think I'm doing the right thing. And it leads to a crisis in our life. You know, if, if that's not enough right now, there's a social injustice that has led to a crisis in our country. And that when you think about all of these things as Christians, there is this spectrum of thought and what we need to do is we need to settle on God, on his word, and what he says in our crisis, in our area of crisis. And what I can tell you is this, God will not only see you through, but he'll use you to minister to other people that are in crisis. He'll He'll use every one of us in our life. You know, but whenever, this is what I know, is whenever we go through crisis, Satan will always bring temptation that sounds good and even brings temporary relief and comfort, but the escape makes it a whole lot worse. It makes it way worse. And it's predictable that in every crisis, there is a temptation to do the easy thing rather than the right thing. And I believe that God is desiring to lead us In our crisis, all crisis is a tipping point into my next season, depending on how I respond. You know what psychologists tell us is they tell us this, that every time we go through a major life change, the next 21 days or three weeks will determine the next three and a half years of our life. Whenever we go through a crisis, I mean this, whatever, whatever, how I respond is going to determine the next three and a half years of my life. And I believe that God is saying, what he's saying is, you're at a tipping point. This is a crisis. This is a, I need you to respond and come after me. Think about this for a moment. In the Bible, Abraham had a promise that he was going to be the father of a multitude. Took longer than he thought. His wife, Sarah, thought it was a crisis. So she came up with a plan. And the plan was, You sleep with Hagar, she'll give us the child. And it just created, it made it a whole lot worse. Stop and think about this. The children of Israel, they were in a crisis. They called out to God. And in that crisis, God led them. The disciples, after Jesus' death, they thought life was gonna go this way and it didn't go that way. And after Jesus' death, if you read the story, they were all gonna quit and go back to their previous occupation. And what I have found is that many times the seed of something great that God has for us can many times be found in the crisis we're facing. And God wants us to believe him in that place. I know this, that many of us sitting here today would have never come to God had it not been for a crisis in our life. We'd have never come to God had it not been for a crisis. This is what I can tell you as a pastor: as there are some people that their whole walk with life is, ba- whole walk with God is based on crisis. It's like they get in a crisis, they call out to God, they commit their heart to God, God gets them out of the crisis, then they forget about God, and they cycle, and they make a bunch of dumb decisions, then they go back into crisis, and then they cry out to God, and then they cycle again, and God gets them out of the crisis, they forget about God, they make dumb decisions, and it's almost like just this cycle of crisis. I believe in our life that what God is doing is that when you think about crisis, there's different types of crisis in our life. Some of us right now, you might be, I'm just gonna give you, there's more than this, but maybe you're in a capacity crisis in your life right now. Is you're beyond your capacity where you're at, and you are just overdone. I am just maxed out. And I'm not, I, I mean, maybe you are, I get it, but I'm just gonna maybe throw a thought out there. Do I need to grow, or is this unsustainable? Where I just uh, this, Yeah, I, this is unsustainable. Is it just a season in your life? Is it God maybe saying to you, you know what, I've called you to do this, but your pain threshold is here. And in this crisis, you're going to learn to depend on me. And it's going to grow your pain threshold to where I've called you to be in your life. It's going to grow it in your life. Some people have really big dreams but they have very limited capacity because they can't handle very much. And in crisis, God grows us. Sometimes in our life is we can have self-inflicted crisis where we have a part in the crisis. Maybe it was just an innocent accident or a mistake that you made. And you said, oh my gosh, now I'm facing crisis. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know, I've ignored principles and now I'm in crisis. And it's because I've ignored some principles that I should have listened to. Sometimes we can be in personal crisis that just springs up from nowhere. Like right now in covid See, maybe you're here right now and you say, I'm not in crisis, but I know some people that are in crisis and I am a very compassionate, empathetic person. And so when the people around me get in crisis, I tend to carry their crisis with me and it kind of weighs me down because of what they're going through. Maybe you're here and you're leading a team or you're you're leading a business or you're, you're leading your family and your family is in crisis. And then there's other times that all three of them mount up on our life where we're like in a personal crisis or maybe our team or our family is in crisis and then all of the sudden beyond that is there's just a crisis all the way around us and we're gonna talk about that next week where we're gonna zero in on somebody that was in personal crisis, then their team turns again to in crisis and then everything was taken away from them but what God did in their life. But what I wanna do this week is I wanna look in Acts 16, at the Apostle Paul, when he was in crisis. And I want to look at three things. And the first one is going to be this, what happened to them or their crisis? We're going to look and say, okay, this happened to them. But then we're going to look at their response in the crisis. Realize that when we're going through a crisis, the only thing we have control over is our response. That's the only thing we have control of. Have you ever been around somebody and they're in crisis and they're trying to control everybody else and everything else and they're making everybody miserable? Realize that when we go through crisis, the only thing we have control over is how we respond to that crisis. And if we respond right to the crisis, we sense God and we grow through that particular crisis. And so, and it affects everything. My response to crisis affects everything. And then the third thing we're going to see is that they trusted God and he moved them through it and passed it. And so I'm just going to start reading in Acts 16, verse 16. It said, it happened that as we were on our way to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. That is a demonic spirit claiming to foretell the future and to discover hidden knowledge. And she brought her owners a good profit by fortune-telling. She followed after Paul at house and kept screaming and shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for several days. Then Paul, being greatly annoyed and worn out, turned and said to the spirit inside of her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, as his representative, to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. But when her owners saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them before the authorities in the marketplace where trials were held. And when they had brought them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men who are Jews are throwing our city into confusion and causing trouble. They are publicly teaching customs which are unlawful for us as Romans to accept or observe. Let me just say this, that was a lie. Have you ever had somebody lie about you and it caused you to go through crisis and they told a lie? Okay, that's what, that was their, their, they lied about him. Look at what it says in verse 22. The crowd also joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates tore the the robes off of them in order that Paul and Silas be beaten with rods. After striking them many times with the rods, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. He, having received such a strict command, threw them into the inner prison dungeon and fastened their feet in stocks in an agonizing position." Now, they have no control over the crisis that just happened. But what I want you to notice is verse 25 tells us a lot. Because verse 25 is their response in that crisis. But about midnight, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, the prisoners were listening to them. If you read verse 26 on, what you find out is God showed up in a powerful way and in an instant way. I wanna tell you this, there are times that God will show up in an instant way and there will time there will be times that God shows up in, in a progressive way, but God will always show up in our lives in a powerful way. But what he wants us to do is to respond right to the crisis that we are facing. He wants us to respond, and this is the first thing that we see, is number one, is recognize and don't allow crisis lockups. You say, what do you mean by?" a crisis lockup. We can look at them and we can make some assumptions of some things they didn't do. What a crisis lockup is this, is ways of responding that we fall into that lock us up and hinder us from sensing God. We go into a crisis and we respond in a way. We have a pattern or a habit of responding in a way. And what it does is it hinders us from sensing God because of the way that we're reacting and responding responding. And I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. Crisis paralysis, where fear causes us to lock up in the situation, and we just won't make a decision. We'll just stay there and we're just gripped by fear and we're just paralyzed in it. I understand fear knocks at all of our doors but we can't let it paralyze us. Jesus must be the Lord of our life in our crisis and what he will do is he will lead us but if it locks us up, what happens is is we've got a purpose in our heart to say, okay, God, I realize that this is affecting me sensing you and responding to you. Crisis overstimulation, or I'll call it crisis anxiety, where we're just drip. We're just like, oh my gosh, I'm in a crisis, and we're just freaking out, flipping out. How many of you know what I'm saying? Okay, look, some of you looked at somebody next to you. Don't do that. Look straight ahead. Okay, is you know what I'm saying? Where people it's just like, oh my gosh, you know about, um, about a month or a month and a half ago, um, and maybe you got the letter. But Micah's fiance tested positive for COVID with no symptoms whatsoever, zero symptoms. I was like, what? what? It's like, okay, she has to quarantine and you know what I'm saying and all, all that kind of stuff. And Micah's with her and I'm sure you ain't kissing her, right, Micah? No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. How many of you, how many of you, he needs to repent right now because you know he's lying. Okay. It's um, Grace. I didn't mean to embarrass you, but anyway. So they're like, "Oh my gosh, what are we, what are we gonna? You know, what do we you've got to quarantine all this stuff." And and Mike is like, "Well, I guess I'm moving out of my house, and I'm moving back home with my parents." And my, and Jill is like, "Mike, he's coming home." I was not like <laughs> and she's like, and he goes, "Don't get used to it." He's like. I gotta, have, I gotta let Grace have my house because she's got a quarantine. You know, never had any symptoms, never had anything, nothing ever showed up. You know what I'm saying? But he came over to our house. But what it was, it was just like, okay, this is a crisis. How am I gonna respond? What is a practical way? The the practice of you drove by his house and you're like, Grace's car's there and it's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> What's you know, you, you know. You, you know you know what I'm saying. Some people, crisis criticalness. They go through a crisis and they just critical. They just get critical of everybody, everything. They just go negative. Next one, crisis faithlessness. They go through a crisis and they just their faith just goes out the window. Somebody, oh let's, I'm going to pray with you. Here's a scripture, "Ah, oh, whatever. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, that is going to affect you sensing God. Some people crisis isolation. They go into a crisis and they isolate themselves. And the book of Proverbs says that they'll break out against all sound wisdom and judgment in their life. And what it is is we've gotta be intentional and self-aware to grow past, look at our life. And I'm gonna be honest, I think all of us sitting here today can maybe look at our life and say, I can see that I got a little bit of a propensity here. How many of you are with me on that? Where we just, okay, I can see that sometimes I've responded. We've got to be intentional and self-aware and grow past that in our life. Where we begin to put guardrails on our life and we stop. And you say, What do you mean guardrails Maybe a scripture or a passage or a promise from God's word in that area of our life and maybe friends in our life that we that we know will help us to not fall into that. And I know it's hard, but it's hugely important. You know, whenever we're in pain, the tendency can be, God, what's going on? Number two is this, is can I worship God in it and not blame him for it? Can I worship God in this crisis and not blame him? Look at what they did is they worshiped God before anything changed in their life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. See, if I blame God for it, it's going to be really hard for me to trust him in it. And so I have to stop and just say, it's going to be hard to worship, it's going to be hard to pray, it's going to be hard to read in my life. The next thing, number three is this, is humility gives me agility humility. You say, what do you mean by that? A humble attitude is basically what it says to God is, God, you show me anything that you want to show me and I'll adjust it or do anything you want me to do. That's humility. Where we just stop and say, God, I, I'm, I'm open. See, humility causes quick adjustments in our life. Where we just stop and say, I'm in a crisis, this is going on, it causes quick adjustments. They did the only thing that they could do in their situation. The only thing they could do is say, you know what, I'm in pain. I'm in this situation, but I'm going to worship God. And maybe right now you're here and you you might not be able to do what you want to do, but what you can do is move closer to God in your situation. You can stop and say, you know what? I thought, I wanted, I'm in crisis. Right now, I, what I know is I can worship God and it's gonna move my heart closer to him. It's gonna move my sensitivity closer to him. Number four is this, is pick your amigos carefully. Pick your amigos carefully. You say, what do you mean by that? I want you to think about this for a moment. They're in jail and they could have listened to the guards They could have listened to the other prisoners. They could have listened to anybody else. And as Christians, sometimes we can put it like this. Am I listening to people who love and know God and I can look and see that? Sometimes we can be listening to what I call unbelieving believers. Unbelieving. They they, they just don't believe. You know what I'm saying? Everything is about In the future, everything is about when I finally get to heaven, it's going to be good. No, Jesus prayed his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to live in his best down here on the way to where I'm going. And that in our lives sometimes is that that we need to really just stop and say, you know, have I been, Is the people maybe that I've been listening to, have they been through a crisis and handled it well? I can look and say, oh, they've been through some crisis and they've handled it well. Do they have a heart and the experience that I need in my life right now? Because understand, they're going to determine, they're going to affect me. And the last one, number five, is this, is crisis always reveals my previous diet. It always does. You say, what do you mean by that? Whenever we go through a crisis, what it reveals is how, where we've been at spiritually. How committed, my walk with the Lord, it reveals it. And that we should stop and look at it and say, God, I realize it right now. You're calling me to make adjustments. I remember, and I've told this story before, but I'm gonna tell it again just because it fits, is um, many years ago, I'm talking like 25 plus years ago, I was um, invited to go on a, this was in Southern California, we live there, and I was invited to go on a mountain bike ride that I was told was going to be easy, it was downhill, I was not in shape, and they said, we're going to start at like 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning because it's in the... Baranza, uh, um, Anza Borrego desert, which is in the winter. So they said, we start and by the end of the ride, it'll be about 85 degrees. And and it was like in February or March. And so I'm like, okay, great. It's going to be an easy ride. And so I, on my way to this bike ride, how many of you know what 7-Eleven is? How many many of you know what a 7-Eleven bean burrito is? How many of you are with me on that? Okay, a 7-Eleven bean burrito makes Taco Bell's bean burrito look like you got a steak at Houndstooth. How many of you are with me on that? It's <laughs> there, so I go into this place and grab a frozen burrito and throw it in the microwave at 5.30 in the morning and grab my 32-ounce coffee cup and fill that baby up, and back then I'd put in like, you know, a bunch of sugar, a bunch of cream, coffee, all, you know, and it was a smoothie is what it was. And, I'd, and, and it was like a half hour, and so I'm driving, and I'm like, I got all kinds of time. I'm driving, drinking my coffee, eating my bean burrito, and I'm like, it's going to be a great day. I'm with my buddies. We all love Jesus, and we're going, they lied to me. Okay, this was not an easy ride. Within the first mile, I voluntarily donated my bean burrito and coffee to the coyotes who would come behind me. See, what it revealed was my diet. That's what it revealed. And what crisis does is it reveals our diet. It reveals our spiritual diet. It reveals if there's muscle there. It reveals if there's stuff in the tank. And I'm not preaching on diet. You know what I'm saying. But spiritually speaking, what I'm saying is is that whenever we go through a crisis, we got to step back and say, where is my spiritual diet? Have I been living on bean burritos from 7-Eleven, and now that I'm having to apply myself, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And what God does is he comes in and he says, let me help you, but you're in charge of the diet. And I wonder today, as we talk about this, I think all of us, probably right now, Either are in a crisis, know somebody in a crisis, Or we can readily look around at our country and say there's some areas of our country that are in crisis. And God is saying to us, you live in a broken, messed up world. And what I'm gonna do is make you whole and give you peace and bring healing to your life and to your heart and change your perspective and plant you right down in that broken, messed up world. And I'm gonna use you to help other people. Are you with me today? Stand to your feet if you would.